Welcome to another broadcast of Hope for the Heart. My name is William Rogers, and I'm bringing another message today, continuing where we left off last week in Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 3. That was the context last week, and of course last week I only got through verse 1 uh, and, and some introduction. <clears throat> so this week I want to uh, proceed further uh, using the same context. If you have a copy of the Word of God for yourself, uh, you can read along with me as I read verses 1 through 3 in Revelation chapter 21. So here we go. In Revelation 21 verse 1, the Word of God reads, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he shall dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be among them. You know, through the years, heaven has always been a preoccupation with, with Christians, and rightly so. After all, when we look at heaven, we're looking at the place where we are going to, to be living for eternity. Heaven, everything connected to our spiritual life and destiny, uh, again, like I mentioned last week, is in heaven. Our Father is there. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is there. Our Comforter, uh, the Holy Spirit is there. Our fellow believers are there. Our name is already written in the Lamb's book of life, and it's there. Our life is there. Our inheritance is there. Our home is there. Our citizenship is there. Our reward is there. Our treasure is to be there. Everything that belongs to us is there. And so naturally, our desire would be to be where everything else is, to be where our life is so connected already. And the more we grow and mature in Christ, the more connected we become to heaven and the less connected we are to the earth here below. And so our goal is to go through this, this book, which we've been doing for many, many months now. And we're in this final two chapters, Revelation chapter 21 and chapter 22. And we're seeing some things that we began to see last week as far as the outline that we presented last week under the title, What Will I See in Heaven? I said there's a three-point outline, and we're going to stick with that outline. <clears throat> First, we see, we see a place, number one. Number two, we see a city, and we're going to look at that today. And then number three, we hear an announcement. So we see a city, um, and we see a place, we see a city, and we hear an announcement. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get much into the announcement that we're going to hear other than, uh, other than perhaps saying and giving you what that announcement actually is, and that is in verse 3 of Revelation 21. So, <clears throat> we've already looked at the appearance of the new heaven. We've looked at this real place, and we've said quite a few things about it. But yet, it's all very general here. It's all very general in the sense that it's a broad look at what heaven actually is. You can see in verse 1, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there's no longer any sea. Well, that's just giving us an introduction to what John sees. Notice it says, and I saw. 
introducing a new part of the vision or a new vision of which he is seeing something. Notice what verse 2 says, and I saw. Uh, again, continuing with this, he's starting to see a description here. And then look at verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, and then we get that, we're hearing an announcement. So verse 3 is not seeing something, it's hearing something. <clears throat> but you'll realize very quickly as you're going through this chapter that he's not really describing much for us here. You just can't, if you're following an, uh, an exposition of the scriptures, uh, you've got to be patient before he actually gets into the description. Look over at verse 9, Revelation 21, verse 9, and you'll, you'll see something that will continue this that we, that we saw in verse 1 and 2. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and spoke with me, saying, Come here, I shall show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And then verse 10, And he carried me away in, in, the, in the spirit to a great high mountain, and he showed me the holy city, which is what verse 2 says, of the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. And so we see verse 2 is continued over into verse 10, and then look at what it says in verse 11. In verse 11 of chapter 21, it says, Having the glory of God, her brilliance was like a very costly stone. And then he goes on to describe that look. And so you can see he will move from a very broad view to a very specific, detailed view as we get further into the chapter. In fact, even in verse 12, it says it had a great high wall. And he it talks about the gates and it, it, it describes each of the gates and the foundation to, to each one of these and the stones. And then he's told the exact measurement or the layout of the city, exactly how large this city is. But in each case, John is seeing this. He, it doesn't appear as though he's able to walk around in this or to be carried through this other than just the angel is pointing it out to him and showing him this because he's not able to be in there yet. At least that's the way it appears. There are a couple of verses where it seems like he's very close, but I think it's the angel revealing to him exactly what is in this capital city and in this new heaven that he's seeing. So, verse 1, we saw the, uh, the real place, and we said it is definitely a very real place. And that's important for us to know. The appearance of the new heaven and the new earth is, is given to us in a reality that we can understand. We are going to a very real place. It will be, we will be raised. We will literally be given real resurrection bodies and we will dwell in an eternally new heaven and new earth that will be based on a completely different life principle than what we know now in this created universe. And that's what we began to look at last week. So number one on the outline was a, we see a place. But now number two on the outline, if you want to, if you follow outline, some people have told me they don't write down anything. They just like to listen. <clears throat> and that's perfectly fine. It helps me to write down things as I, I do. In fact, listening, sitting in church and listening to a good sermon, I will always take notes. I like that. Uh, but number two on the outline of, of, that we gave last week, what will I see in heaven, 
And by the way, this week's title is called Inside of Heaven. Uh, it doesn't work good on the titles for Sermon Audio to have a point, a part two, so I always have to come up with a different title, even though I'm continuing the same message. So, number two is we see a city, and I want to look at this city. It says in verse two, and I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem. Now, this New Jerusalem is what he's actually seeing. It's what it's going to be the, I guess we could say for lack of a better phrase, the capital of the new heaven and the new earth. The capital is the holy city, New Jerusalem. And then he says, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. Now, here we are introduced to the capital city of heaven. Think about that. The capital city of heaven. We think of the capital of a certain state, in whatever state you live in. We think of a capital uh, being like that. And this is, in some ways, is going to be very real like that. Now, you want to mark something in your own mind. The new Jerusalem isn't all there is to heaven. Now, it almost looks like that when we get into chapter 21 and we, we proceed. Like I said, it begins to describe it in verse 11. And then it goes all the way through and we see it all the way even into chapter 22. But there's more to heaven. Later on in the chapter, we're going to find out just exactly how large this new Jerusalem is. It's even measured out down, uh, down into uh, verse 16 in as a certain size, and we're going to take a look at that size and compare that to what way we can compare it today so that we can get some kind of a perspective on it. But you've got the whole new heaven and a whole new earth, a whole new created realm that is vast, infinite, and that is eternal. And in the middle of it, you have this, our attention is drawn, and John's attention is drawn to the capital city called New Jerusalem, <clears throat> which is a very large city. And we're going to, again, take a look at the size of that later. Uh, so you say, are you sure this is literal? Well, if it isn't, I've got, I don't have any idea what it is, if it's not literal. In fact, I, I think as a general rule for interpretation, we take it literal unless we're told not to take it literal. So when he says this, it, what does he mean? He says a city. Well, I think he means a city. And who is going to unravel the mystery of what it means if he doesn't mean that? Where would you go for someone to say it's not really a city? Well, what is it if it's not a city? He says a city. So notice the holy city, New Jerusalem. There are three Jerusalems, really, in redemptive history. There's the old city of Jerusalem, the historic Jerusalem, the old city of David, the Jebusites once occupied in the land of Palestine. That city that still exists today can be visited. People live there. There is that city, that old city of Jerusalem, that historic city uh, that is actually there and can be visited. By the way, <clears throat> uh, as historic Jerusalem, it is called the Holy City. That's right. It's referred to in the Old Testament in a, in a lot of places. Uh, more, more specifically, Isaiah 52, uh, Daniel 9.24 is referred to in the New Testament in uh, Matthew 27, Matthew chapter 4, I think it is, <clears throat> and then uh, Revelation chapter 11. It's referred to as the historic city, as the holy city. Now, what does that mean? Well, you know, I, I never am really sure we know exactly what something means in the Bible. We can give a pretty good idea. We can look at the definition or the meaning of words and phrases. But, you know, you, you just, as, as the Lord begins to reveal more and more to you, it becomes more and more obvious 
what it does actually mean, and probably always it will encompass more than what we're able to understand or see at the moment. <clears throat> it's a holy city. <clears throat> that word holy it, uh, just simply means set apart unto God. It was a set apart for divine purposes. It was to be devoted to God. It's not that everybody in it was holy or is holy or will be holy. Eventually it will be become the seat of the Antichrist during the time of the Great Tribulation period. <clears throat> so, it definitely would not be called a holy city because of the inhabitants of the city. So, it's holy in the sense that God set it apart for his own divine purposes, but obviously nothing beyond that. The, the millennial Jerusalem, which will come during the thousand year period, will be holy as well. And that's going to be the second Jerusalem. I said there's three. This will be the second one because Christ will sit on the throne of David in the city of Jerusalem and rule with a rod of iron. And so there will be a greater holiness to that city as Christ the Holy One will reign from that literal city. But this is not the historic old Jerusalem, and this is not the millennial Jerusalem. This is the eternal city that John sees. This is not looking back, because remember, it's all been uncreated. It's been melted away according to <clears throat> excuse me, Second Peter. And so this is the new Jerusalem. It's called Holy City, New Jerusalem, and this is holy not because it is set apart to God, not because Christ is there, but it is holy now because every person in it is going to be perfectly holy. Now think about that. Think about that. Yeah, sure, it's still set apart for God. I don't, don't mean it's not set apart for God. But now it's going to be even more holy in the sense that everybody in it will be holy. Remember, this is he's up in heaven. And so Jerusalem will have gone from a holiness by virtue of being devoted to God to a holiness by virtue of being ruled by Christ, which is millennial, to a holiness by virtue of being occupied only by holy people. So you go from, from earthly to the millennial to heaven. Everyone in it will be perfectly holy. Chapter 20, verse 6 of Revelation Blessed and holy is the one who has part in the first resurrection that takes place, that takes people to heaven. Now, it's hard to imagine a holy city, isn't it? I mean, we can't really relate to what that means. I can't relate to a city that is full of nothing but holy people. And by holy people, I mean redeemed people. I mean saved people. I mean people who have the new heart. And here in heaven, it would mean people not only with that, but also are in their glorified holy bodies. So it's hard to imagine a city like that, isn't it? I mean, think of cities in America uh, where crime is just rampant and you see 30, 40, 50, sometimes 60 people shot in a weekend. I mean, certainly those cities are not holy cities. Uh, we, we, we don't know what that would be like. The world cities are the real symbol of decay and decadence, as one person writes in, in my reading. The world cities are a swamp of sin and iniquity, corruption. All that is there is unimaginable to the mind of someone who has never been there. We don't know anything about a holy city. <clears throat> but this city that John sees is the holy city. 
the sinless capital city of eternity where everybody who lives in it is perfectly holy. That's a mouthful. That's a full mouthful because we can't relate to that. We're looking beyond where we are now to something that hasn't happened. We have still got to go through the tribulation period. We have got to get to the end of the tribulation period where the Antichrist and the false prophet are, are destroyed and then we see the return of Christ setting up his kingdom. That will last a thousand years here on this earth and then all of that will be destroyed and John is inside this new heaven and this new earth looking through that as he's getting this brief tour by this angelic being. <clears throat> we don't know about this city, but it is a holy city. This capital city of eternity where everybody who lives in it is perfectly holy. And the idea of a city talks about relationships and activity. It talks about responsibility. And so we don't know all that is involved in the city. We don't really get a whole lot of activity. We don't see. John's not told to look over here at the, the games being played or the look over here at this group that are in, in the act of worship over here. Look over here in this building and see this. We're not given that kind of detail. But this in Revelation is giving to us this holy city. And you know, in Revelation 3.12, we saw a glimpse of this. This city was first mentioned in the book of Revelation, verse 12 in chapter 3. It said this, And the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from God. And of course, there it didn't finish it, but it comes down out of heaven to the new earth. And he says it's promised to those who are overcomers. Hebrews talks about this. In chapter, uh, chapter 11. And then in chapter 12 of Hebrews, verse 22, you come down to Mount Zion, to the city, the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, where there are myriads of angels in the general assembly and the church of the firstborn are enrolled in heaven. And God is there, judge of all, and the spirits. And then there's Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22 to 24. This heavenly Jerusalem where the angels are and the saints are and God is and Jesus is. That's the new Jerusalem. And so we see this, and it's just and it's an amazing thing to see. And I would imagine when we get there, it's all going to make a lot more sense. It's all going to just fit together. We're going to be able to understand things. We're going to be able to understand how all of this actually fits. Everything we've heard, everything we've read, everything that's been preached to us, and all the saints that have died and gone there are there now. That is actually incredible. But you know, this has been promised to us. <clears throat> this city, and I think, uh, put it another way, think of John chapter 14. And I've quoted this verse so many times, I think it will begin to pull some things together in your mind. I know it does in mine. As I just think about the verse, let not your heart be troubled, it says in verse 1 of John 14. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places or mansions. My Father has a house, and in that house are many rooms. And I'm going to go and get your room ready, is what he's saying. And then I'm going to come and get you and take you there. And I think that's where we're seeing. We're seeing the end result of that. We're seeing where they're going to end up. I believe Jesus left the earth, went back to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city that has a foundation, <clears throat> whose builder and maker is God. He went back to the heavenly Jerusalem 
where there are, are just men whose spirits are there and angels are there and God is there and of course Christ is there. He went back there to prepare a place. And someday he's going to come to bring us to that place. If that's the rapture, which I think it is, I think we could be very, very close to that time when he takes us to that place. The place that we're seeing here in the scripture is the very place of where we are headed. So it's important then to see that the new Jerusalem exists even now in some form. It's really heaven. It's where God is. It's where believer, it's where when a believer dies, they go to the place that the Lord has for them. But someday when God creates a whole new infinite universe that heaven where God is and God dwells, that new Jerusalem, that city whose builder and maker is God, it's going to come down and descend onto this new earth and in the universe around it. It will be the home of all the godly. It will be where we all will dwell. It's just absolutely amazing to be able to understand what all he is seeing here. But John is seeing this, and he's... He is being told, remember now, to, to write all of this down, to record this. Look over at Revelation chapter 22. It says, And now John am the one who heard and saw these things, and when I heard and saw, I fell down and worshipped. It is amazing <coughs> that this has all been given to him. Verse 10, And he said to me, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. And so John has been told to write these things down back in Revelation chapter 2. And that's exactly what he's done. So we, we are going to be living not on another planet. We're going to be living in the Father's house. We live in this city. I don't know whether we'll be in this city full time. It does not explain that. We just go there. It appears we can go in and out of the city uh, we don't really know much about that. But all the glorified of all the ages will live in that city because they'll all live in the Father's house where Jesus is gone. And if he's gone now, literally, uh, listen carefully. If he's there, gone, if he's gone right now from the earth, he's there to prepare that place. That's where he is, getting ready to bring us up. And so we see the new heaven and the new earth that is there that John is seeing. In fact, chapter 21, look down at verse 10. He carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city coming. This is uh, the third time he's talking about this. There's a third time it says, back in chapter 3 and here, uh, here twice, this comes down. It indicates to me that this doesn't come into existence. It's not being created right in front of John's eyes and just comes down as it's being created. This comes down indicates to me that it doesn't uh, just come into existence at that point. It descends from God into the new heaven and the new earth that have just been uh, brought forth. So just that's just technicality, but I think it shows you the explicit nature of the description here. The Lord is now preparing this place and it is a very real place, and it's going to come down. But John says in verse 2, I saw the holy city. I saw it. The, the angel showed it to me, he says over in verse 10. It is from God. Well, what does, what does that mean? It, it is a God kind of city, I think he's telling us. It is a God-designed, God-made city. He's the architect. He's the builder. And it bears all the marks of, 
of, of, of, his, of his glory. And I'm telling you, when we get down to verse 9 and go through the rest of the scripture here, you'll see what all that means because he's going to describe all of that. So, so we see here the heavenly city will have already been prepared. Jesus is preparing it now. And when he comes for his own, he's going to take his own into that place. And when the rapture of the church occurs and goes to that place, he's preparing for us that that place which will be our home and we will dwell there now uh, in further describing the capital city john sees in verse 2 it was made ready as a bride adorned for her husband uh, this borrows the imagery of, of a jewish wedding and in jewish wedding terms there were three parts uh, there is the uh, the betrothal or the uh, it, it's very similar to an engagement except it's not really that but it's, that's the only way we have to compare it and then there's the presentation and then there's the ceremony so you have the betrothal, the presentation, and the ceremony. And I think we're going to, we're, we're beginning to see how all of that fits. It's imagery that we see here. The betrothal took place in eternity past when God wrote the names of his own beloved in the Lamb's Book of Life from the foundation of the world, before the foundation of the world. We saw that even mentioned again in Revelation chapter 13, verse 8. So the betrothal took place in eternity past when God the Father pledged to give to the Son a redeemed humanity that he would choose. Now I know that some people don't like that word, but God did that. That's The presentation occurred at the rapture of the church when the bride was taken to be with the bridegroom, and for seven years there would be a wonderful feasting. At the end of that period, the ceremony takes place. You could uh, liken the ceremony to the millennial kingdom, the great celebration where we're all joined together. And he says, I saw the new Jerusalem coming down, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. It's time for the consummation. Why does he describe the city that way? Because I think the city contained the bride. So he sees it all inclusive. You know, from the very beginning of God's redemptive plan, uh, his purpose was to get a bride for the son. And I think this is what uh, John chapter uh, 6 talks about so clearly there uh, in the old testament saints are incorporated in the final figure uh, of the bride all the tribulation saints are incorporated in it all of those who were converted during the time of tribulation all of the church is included they're all in the bridal city they're all encompassed in the bride that god has chosen for his son and the city descends with all the redeemed in it into the eternal state so when we look at the bride when it says this it's not just talking about the church age people by then, it's going to encompass all of the redeemed of people. All of them. In fact, when the church comes down to earth, when Jesus returns and sets up his kingdom, you, you come to the full final ceremony of the wedding. I believe then all of the saints are collected and gathered in. So the bride becomes all-encompassing, and so does the bride become all-encompassing in the eternal state? And it will include all of the redeemed of all the ages you will see. So John sees this capital city. It is adorned as, as a bride because it contains all the redeemed of all the ages, who ultimately are the bride that the Father has sought to give to his Son. What a tremendous, tremendous story this is. It's a story of redemption. It's a story of God's divine purposes being laid out in such a way as to give us an idea of what actually went on. God doesn't have to give us this. God does not have to give us any of this, but he gives it to us. And that is the amazing thing. 
And so, in the outline that we've get, we've seen here, God, uh, tell the holy uh, announcer tells John, uh, shows John a place, a very real place. In number one, the outline. Number two, he we see a city, the capital city of heaven coming down, the New Jerusalem. And then number three, we hear an announcement. And I want to just touch on this as we get into it. The last point is, a, is an announcement. And look at how he gives it. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, here's what the voice says. Here's the announcement. Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he shall dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be among them. That is interesting, especially since you look at this phrase that he's got here. First, he, he hears this, and the announcement is, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, present tense, and he shall dwell among them. That is future tense, even for us and even for John. It's future. And they shall be his people, future and God himself shall be among them, future. In the sense that at that point where John is, it hasn't actually happened yet. That is amazing to me. That is amazing. We're taking a look at what the supreme person or this personality in heaven is going to be doing or saying. In fact, I heard a loud voice from the throne. It's, it's, uh, we've already heard this about 20... I think 24 times uh, the phrase has appeared with a loud voice has come out of the throne, probably some angelic announcement that he gives us. It, it basically is that God is not far off and he no longer is he in a different place. The tabernacle or the place of abode, the place where you live, this is the Father's house. It is New Jerusalem, the Father's house, and it's among a uh, place there for his own. Jesus went away to prepare a place for us in the Father's house so that the Father could come and live in His house with all of us. Now, what does all of that mean? Well, I think we're going to begin to see what all of that means. Behold, amazing, God is living in the same house with men. It's going to be when we get there. It is an absolutely unthinkable reality to anyone, the Jew, to us, that... We could even be in the very presence of God, but we are going to be in the presence of God. In fact, next week's message is going to be, I'm, I'm entitling next week's time uh, message, Living in God's Presence. What will that be like? According to verse 22 of this chapter, there's no temple there. John sees New Jerusalem and there's no temple. Why? Because the Lord God, the Almighty, the Lamb are the temple. In other words, a temple would indicate that you have to go somewhere to see God. And in heaven, we will not have to go anywhere. We'll be right there where he is. As one writer puts it, it's staggering that John's listening to this voice and the voice repeats this thing several times. The tabernacle of God is among men. And the voice says it another way. And he shall dwell among his people. And then God's going to dwell with his own. It's like he gives it to us three different times to make sure we understand it. He says it first. He says the tabernacle of God is among us. Then he says he shall dwell among them. And then he says, and they shall be his people. It's almost as if this thing is so mind-boggling that he has to keep repeating 
himself. God himself shall be among them. If he had said, just said that, he shall dwell among them, that might say, well, yes, he's in his glory and perhaps in a veiled way. But when he said, and he shall be among them, well, yes, he's going to move in their midst. Yes, we can understand that. But then he says, and they shall be his people. People, personal possession of his people. He is our father. And then, as if not, that's not enough, he adds, and God himself shall be among them. Wow. It's a, haven't we already heard that? God himself, in addition to God, is among men. He dwells among them. There are his people. And yes, you heard me right. God himself. All you can say to that is, wow. I just, what a, a, a description this is of that time. So, John sees a, have a place. John sees a city. And then John hears an announcement that is preparing us for what else is to come. So uh, again, this has been William Rogers bringing the message today from Revelation chapter 21 that I have entitled Inside of Heaven. Uh, and so I thank you for joining us this day. I thank you for, for listening and preparing. Uh, stay with me. Next week we're going to be looking and a message that I'm called Living in God's Presence. Thank you so much for joining today.